Marketing teams often focus all their energy on acquiring new customers so they miss out on a big opportunity, harnessing the power of their product's fans. Today, Maria Delano, founder of Kalani Marketing, shares her fan-driven marketing strategy. In episode 54 of the Marketing Power-Up Show, you learn, first of all, the power of fan-driven marketing. Second, the fan-driven marketing flywheel. Third, how SparkTor harnesses the power of its fans. And number four, a career power-up that has accelerated Maria's career. Before we get started, I've created a free power-up sheet that you can download and apply Maria's fan-driven marketing strategy to your business right away. Get it now at marketingpowerups.com or find that link in the show notes and description. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing power-ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host, Rambly John. Maria, I'm super excited to be chatting with you about fan-driven marketing. Uh, you know, when you when I heard about this, I watched your video um, presentation at B2Me SMX, the conference. Oh, you and, did? Yeah, Ooh. of course. In your article, I read it, of course. But like, I'd love to just dig into that. And we're going to get some examples from SparkToro, from, you know, the flywheel that you're applying for your yeah. own business, all the things that you've been chatting about lately. Um, let's jump into like what what is fan driven marketing? Why is it so important? I know this is something that you've been really passionate about. Um, yeah. And yeah, let's just dig into that. Ah, uh, before we do, I just want to say I'm so happy that you actually like read the read the things they sent because a lot <laughs> of, of people don't. Oh, I'm like I feel so honored right now. <laughs> it's a right thing to do, you Thank know. Thank you. Oh, I I feel very good about myself. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, why am I so passionate about it? I mean, I'm passionate about it because I'm not just a marketer. I'm a fan, right? I'm a yeah. very my personality is very much being a fan mm. of things. Like I'm very prone to becoming an excited super fan. I have been since I was a kid. I have obsessions, right? Um, I'm neurodivergent, so I think that has something to do with it, right? Special interests, hyper-focus, things like that. So since I was little, I've always had in rotation at any given moment, two or three obsessions, right? Things that I'm just like really, really into. And yeah. so growing up and you know entering the adult world and starting to work, my obsessions kind of shifted towards the other things I was doing. So now that I'm in business and I'm in marketing, I start getting obsessed about businesses and marketing, right? And um, just witnessing how I experienced that and being around thinking of this a lot, like I end up looking at a lot of forums, I end up looking at a lot of fan content for things, right? I end up just seeing people who are also obsessed with things, right? And obsessed with companies or products or software, and witnessing how they're doing it, how I'm feeling, it just seemed like a no-brainer, right? Mm -hmm. It felt like a way to put my own experience that was very visceral, very emotional, very real, and very personal into work and figuring out how to turn it into a framework, right? So my Fandrew and marketing stuff, it very much comes from a different place than almost anything else I talk about in marketing because I started out on the other side first, of the user, of the customer, of the audience member. And then I yeah. put my marketing hat on. Almost everything else, I start with the marketing hat and then I try to get into the head of the user, right? But here, no, it came the other way. I love it. I, I love that you're, you're a fan. And, and we were just talking earlier about your fandom around video games and yeah. you know how you get so excited about that. And I think that's, it really taps into like, if businesses can really tap into their we're going to talk a little bit about that later about there's their super fans it makes things easier in marketing it does. wouldn't you say 
Yeah. It does. And I mean, that's why it's a flywheel, right? Because the whole concept of the flywheel is you want to get that momentum. You want to start doing things that don't only bring you a return right now or just based on the action you're taking now. It's also making any future action easier, right? You're setting mm -hmm. up this like foundation for success. Everything that you're doing is going to have like the bonus off whatever you've done before. It's like, speaking of video games, right? Like I think of a flywheel as a way to like add bonus stats, right? So like you start out as a character with character traits and like right. as you're playing a video game, mm -hmm. you can keep putting points into certain stats, right? And it's like, you're just adding points to that, which means as you're going on, everything you need to do with that skill gets easier and easier and easier, right? So yeah, it's like, it's a long-term investment in a way, mm. right? To create that motion, to create that ease for the future. And I think that just, that just makes all the sense in the world with fan stuff and with developing relationships and emotions. That's exactly it. I think developing yeah. that relationship and emotions people get so attached to it that it's harder to leave in like I, f I feel like you're you're if you we use the word as marketers we use the word churn but like yeah when 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 somebody is like i'm no longer a fan of this video game or this superstar or like taylor swift i'm not entirely sure you're not just leaving them you're leaving a piece of yourself almost yes i just had an idea what if Instead of thinking about it as churn, we think about it as a breakup. Mm, yeah. Because I feel like that gets to the core of a lot of it, right? It's you're not just churning from a product or a brand or like those customers are not just churning from you. They're breaking up with you in certain mm. ways, right? And as with breakups, people might get back, right? Often you right. break up with somebody and people do come back. That can happen. But sometimes they don't. And no matter what happens, in either case, there's negativity, that moment of leaving is negative. It doesn't feel good. And especially if there was attachment, it often feels awful, right? right? And it's not a choice anybody wants to make. And they often end up breaking up with somebody because they feel like they have to. And I mm. feel like if you're a brand, you really need to pay attention to that. What right. makes people feel like they have to leave you? Mm. What makes them feel like they're better off without you, right? What is it that happens and how can you prevent it? I don't Not know. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, it does, does make sense. And like, I this is not something that I, I, I this is not something I think about with my wife. Where like, mm -hmm. how do I do stuff so that it makes it harder for her to for us to break up? Yeah. I think that's weird. But it, in yeah. some sense, like that's exactly what brands that do this well happens is like they create experiences for their fans so much so that it's really hard for them to to leave because they're leaving community they're leaving identity they're yeah. leaving emotions they're leaving not just the product they're leaving um they're breaking up they're breaking up with part of themselves yeah you know to your point about how you're not thinking about it actively with your wife right oh, like yeah. i'm not thinking about it with my husband either right like i'm not like okay what do i do today to make him not divorce me right but <laughs> I, that would be pretty sad if that's how we were right, going exactly. about our day today but i'm right. also thinking about i was talking to my psychiatrist yesterday and we always get very talkative um and we were talking about how in any relationship right you're always making a choice like you can always find a reason to leave and you can always find a reason to stay and you're just deciding which one when you make a choice to remain in a relationship or break up. And I'm just thinking, 
like how does that process in our day-to-day in a relationship when we're not actively in a crisis moment? Because that's more similar to a brand that's marketing and building relationships with customers who are there, right? Like there's the crisis management of like people are churning, let's figure out why they're leaving or they're threatening to leave. But it starts before that, right? Like yeah. that foundation of trust has to start breaking down a lot more way earlier, right? You start seeing cracks, you start thinking about reasons to leave. Mm. So how do you find that, right? Without just zooming in on the bad, how do you find it in the good, but also still think about how do I give them reasons to stay? How do I give them reasons to keep choosing to stay? How do I make them feel like staying is the right option, right? It's the correct, it, it's the only option even, right? That's mm. the best way to think about it. I love that. Yeah. It's a choice. It's about yeah. giving them, that's the only, you know, I, I guess that ties to the fan-driven flywheel that yeah. you mentioned earlier. What does that look like? I know you shared this in the presentation. Mm-hmm. You shared this yeah. in uh, in the article with Search Engine Land. Like, what does that look like for your business? Like your your own uh, fan driven flywheel. I know you mentioned yeah. this before. Um, mm-hmm. What your fan driven flywheel looks like? Yeah. So the funny thing with flywheels is it's hard to know where to start, right? <laughs> I usually start with content because I'm a content yeah. specialist, and that's just my favorite thing to do. And also, often it feels like the most logical place to start when somebody doesn't have an audience or doesn't have fans. So for me, um, I would say a lot of my flywheel starts with content as well. And it's often very particular kinds of content. It's um, compelling in so far as it's emotional. Often people tend to find me through my newsletter, uh, attention deficit marketing disorder or ADMD. Uh, or they find me through some of my LinkedIn posts, or they find me through search engine land now. Mm. And in all of those cases, people tend to come to me through very long pieces, right? Even on LinkedIn, I often hit that character limit like all the time, where I post like <laughs> long videos, and that's what people like for some reason. Right. And they are compelled by it because I often make sure that I'm posting things thinking about resonance thinking about what emotions will this make somebody feel and how can I make content that makes them feel more connected to me or want to be connected to me, right? Like I often think content is relationship building at scale. So I'm like, what can I put out there that would make people want to be my friend almost, right? Mm. Uh, Or want to talk to me. And the way this works well is when I do it properly, people start trying to reach out, right? So I get comment sections, with a ton of people replying to me. If you look through my LinkedIn, like my most recent posts, a bunch of them have comment sections like this, right? People say that they're cheering me on even, right? Or they're saying, oh, it's so great to see like what you're doing now, right? They're remembering things I posted about in the past. They are often commenting on like the significance of the ideas, right? They're talking about the meta layers of the content existing. They feel like they know me often, Mm. right? And then they start sharing their own experiences. Like my favorite things are, if I publish a newsletter or a post or something, and then I start getting messages, comments, you know, DMs, uh, emails from people saying how something I published made them understand themselves better, right? Yeah. And those are my vocal fans, right? They're reaching out. Their names are there. Their pictures are there. Often they're handing me their email or connection requests so that they can message me, right? So that's step two. You find them. You start listening. You start paying attention. I spend a ton of time in my comment sections all the time. Yeah. Um, 
then the next step on the flywheel is engage with them, right? So instead of just being a wall, right? I could just see all these comments, all these emails and never reply. But that kind of ruins it, right? That ruins that yeah. moment of connection. Somebody felt so much drive to reach out to me and tell me something because they thought it was important to try to tell it to me. I feel like it would be slapping them in the face if I ignored them, right? Mm. And it doesn't mean I have to respond to everybody, but I prioritize people who clearly seem to be the most emotionally invested, who seem to have the most meaning attached to their message, right? If it means a lot to them, I should show them that it means something to me that they wanted to reach out. Um, and then after that, once you engage with them, right, you start building kind of some kind of relationship. They tend to follow you more. They tend to interact with you more often, right? And I have a lot of people like that. And the next step is promote or help mm -hmm. them in some way. And I do. Like, I shout people out. I tag them in other people's comment sections. I refer them to other people, right? I often connect people to each other. I'm trying to do more collaborations and featuring people. Search Engine Land has been a very good way, actually, for me to help people out and to build these relationships because I can quote them. And everybody likes Search Engine Land. It's a huge publication. They think it's really cool to be quoted. So it's very easy for me to thank somebody by thinking, oh, they would be a relevant source here. They know something about this. Right. So let me just tap them and ask them yeah. if they want to be a source, right? Um, and then the final piece is feedback, right? You start getting a lot of feedback on your content, hearing things about your work, and it's, you know, listening and actually implementing it sometimes. And when I do, I often try to thank people directly. Like I'll email them, I'll message them, I'll tell them on a call, by the way, thank you for what you've said, right? I've implemented it. Here it is. Here's what I did. Thank you so much, right? So they feel heard, they feel listened to, they feel cared about. And it's kind of just this happy flywheel of reciprocity. Right. Yeah. And then that goes back to making compelling content because like those people yeah. giving you feedback, they might ask you questions like, you know, like they, they, they might ask questions that turn uh, turn into more content or that, you know, questions in the comments can turn into a, a whole new piece of content or, you know, it's just, like you said, a happy flywheel yeah. that keeps on giving back essentially. And at this point, I've been working on this flywheel for nearly a year because I'd say I very actively started making the flywheel like this around January probably is when right. I first started being strategic about it in this way. And um, now pretty much every piece of content I ever put out was made because of something somebody said, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's feedback inherent to every right. idea I have now. I'm constantly connecting the dots. I'm constantly looking for ways to implement it. and. It's so nice because uh, the other topic here is like audience research, right? So like knowing what your audience wants, right? Who is it that's listening to you, paying attention to your marketing? What do they care about? What do they want to hear about, right? And when you make content based out of understanding those things and you're speaking directly to them, of course, it's more engaging. Of course, yeah. it's more compelling. Of course, the results are better. So at this point, I very rarely make anything that is not built on this just long foundation of understanding my audience and what they want and what they feel and what they care about. I mean, that yeah. sounds like a perfect segue to yeah. <laughs> the audience research a platform called SparkToro. Yes. Uh, let's talk about that. This is like a perfect example of, you know, you, you've talked about this flywheel. It's a process that mm -hmm. like business can start running, but like you saw firsthand how it has impacted you as a fan of SparkToro. Yeah. What, 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 can, what does that look like? What it, like how did this SparkToro love flywheel that you're going to share. Um, what does that look like? How did that happen? 
Yeah, so Sparktoro, <laughs> they got me into their web so deeply and so quickly. <laughs> I've been, they they spun it around and I've been trapped right. ever since. And for some reason, I like it. <laughs> but um, I found them. So I found them at a very good time. I found them right as I was starting out freelancing. Because before that, I worked in-house and I tried another company with a few friends and then when I decided to fully do things on my own and just do freelancing, see what happens in the marketing world, um, one of the first suggestions on that Twitter account that I set up was to follow Rand, Rand Fishkin. And I did. I had no idea who he was or what he did, actually. Um, and I had no idea what Sparktora was. And I just saw his posts, like posting about Sparktora sometimes. And it's like, okay, this seems cool. Like I started reading his blogs, thinking he had good ideas about marketing. I agreed with them. So I decided, okay, well, this cool person's talking about this product that he's designed. I feel like I can trust him. Let me try this out. So I signed up for the free plan. And <laughs> I was so blown away. I was so blown away that my testimony, like I posted about it on Twitter, like immediately within a, like a day because I was so excited. Um, and they asked to use it as a testimonial on their oh, homepage. Wow. And cool. it still is. It was at right. the top of their like older version and they kept it in the new one. I don't know if they kept anybody but me. They might have kept another one, but it's still there. If you go, let me read it out. If you go to their homepage, I'm still there. I'm a bit hidden now because I was like featured at the top before, so it's fine. I get it. Uh, but if you go towards the bottom, there's like this marketing icon gets it. And there's three quotes there. And I'm the last one. And the quote is, I genuinely have never seen such quick ROI on a business tool in my life. My clients are over the moon with the reports I've given them based on Sparktora searches and brief content analysis from those results. This is a very measured version of what was actually going on. Because what actually happened is I had a deliverable to do for a client. They were asking for content ideas to like plan out the blog post series. I opened Sparktoro. I am in love. I am over the moon. I'm like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've seen ever. And I take some screenshots, you know, I do a little summary for a client, I send it over to them, and they're immediately like, oh my God, like we've never seen anything like this is incredible, let's do it. And everybody's just excited behind the scenes, freaking out. And then I posted that, and somehow, you know, it ended up on the site. <laughs> that is so, so cool. Right. Yeah. So putting it into the flywheel terms, right? I They made compelling content, right? So there's Twitter, right? First of all, the posts, which made me seek out more content and then very compelling blog posts, right? Then there was finding the fans because they found that tweet that I made. I don't even remember mm -hmm. how they found me. I had like no fall. I had like maybe 30 <laughs> followers at the time. I was I didn't know what I was doing. And yet Rand, like with half a million followers is there being like, can I feature you on our website, right? That's so amazing. that's like, they found me, they heard what I was saying, they engaged with me and reached back out and at the same time helped promote me, like Rand skipped like four steps of the flywheel all in one <laughs> interaction here. And that was like my first real interaction with Sparktoros, a company. So of mm. course I was, I was done. I was doomed, yeah. right? Where, yeah, that, that's it. They had me, they had me. And from there on, it's just been the same story playing out, right? right. Because after that, it was like, oh, wow, not only is this like, the coolest software I've ever seen that I really like. I also like the people that make it. And they've also mm. talked to me. Most companies don't talk to me like this. Yeah. My face is on their homepage now. I remember thinking, my face is on their homepage and I've never paid for this tool. That's weird. I should probably buy a paid plan. <laughs> so then I did. <laughs> and I never canceled it. I've never paused the paid plan since. Right. But that was the initial motivation. It was almost 
they're too nice to me. I feel weird. They're promoting the testimonial I wrote for them, and I'm on their free plan. Hmm. I should probably upgrade. <laughs> that's so funny. You you yeah. were a fan before. You were a paying customer, which is great. Yeah. Like that's yeah. That's it. You 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 brought more people into their sphere, probably yeah. because of that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just it's continued, right? I mean, it's a two year story at this point. Because a year ago was when I actually started like really talking to them as people, and before that, it was nearly a year of interacting as a fan and like on online, like on Twitter, LinkedIn comment sections, going to their webinars. So I just got deeper and deeper involved with them just over time because I really liked the software, but it was also very interesting. And so I kept reading their blogs to figure out more about how to think about the software and also learning more about marketing that I would then apply in the tool. And then I started engaging with them more on socials. Yeah, going to their webinars and events and just they would interact with me a lot. They'd reply to me. You know, they'd thank me for things I would say about their tool or I would recommend it. Um, they started knowing my name. I remember very distinctly in August, I think, of last year, I joined a webinar that was like an online conference by another company. And Amanda was one of the presenters. And like I tuned in to see her talk. And I go into the chat and I just say like, hi, in the chat. And then Amanda looks up and goes, oh, my God, Maria's here. Hi, Maria. And I'm like, she knows me. Wait, right. how does she remember me, right? Yeah. And so you just develop this bond almost, yeah. right, with the people that run a company. And that gets you more interested in the tool because I very distinctly would choose to learn more about the software, like more and more and try to use it more and figure out how to use it better because I like the people, mm. right? And so now I'm on the highest paid plan. I have been for a while. I'm like a power user. I know every feature I've reported a bazillion bugs to Casey, right? But that didn't happen immediately. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And then you ended up writing, uh, what is it, a 23,000, what is that? Like a love letter almost? <laughs> it's guides. a 23,000 plus series of five guides. Right, that's amazing. The introduction's a love letter to SparkToro. Yeah. Part one is how I use SparkToro for content marketing work because I used yeah. to just do content marketing and like very directly a lot of writing. Now we've expanded a lot beyond that, but initially that was all we did. So it was that. Part two was kind of based on a lot of questions I had heard from people at that point, which was like a bunch of use cases for SparkTour. Like, how can you use this tool? And it's just a huge list yeah. of ways to use it and why. Then there is part three, which is the manifesto for why SparkTour mm. over other marketing tools and how SparkTour makes you think about marketing. Um, and then part four is documentation. So every feature, it's a full feature reference for the whole product. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> And love, I've made like hours of videos as well. <laughs> I love how like this like fan-driven flywheel has resulted in not just you becoming like a power user on the highest paid plan. You've created like content. You've like really yeah. testimonial, like social proof. And this is this is exactly like your uh, living proof of the power of fan-driven marketing. Essentially, the story. Yeah. My career right now, like as a public figure in any shape or form in marketing, is built on my relationship with SparkToro. Mm. If it wasn't for Rand and Amanda, I think it would have taken me a lot longer, right? Like somebody else might have come along. There might have been a different way in. Yeah. But the way things panned out is Rand got me my audience, like full on. Like I'm, I'm not joking. My newsletter, uh, the one that everybody loves so much now, right? Um, the very first issue I published in January, I barely sent it to anybody. I just posted it on Mastodon that I had like, I think, 100 followers back then. 
And then suddenly I'm seeing views and subscribers and I'm getting spam with notifications that I just got like 50 subscribers. I'm like, what the heck happened? And then I check and Rand read it and posted it on both Mastodon and Twitter wow. to 500,000 people. My first ever newsletter, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, wow. So that thing had a thousand views in a week, right? I just started. And uh, that was just this rocket boost, right? That I would have never expected that most people can never get. And I mean, that was a huge moment. And then after that, there's been a lot of other co-promotion that happened. And yeah. at this point, it's kind of funny. So much of my network is also Rand's network. It's like, mm. if you, you can just pick a random person who follows me and most likely they will know him or they came from him, right? And it's... It's honestly kind of incredible. And I wish more brands understood yeah. that you can do something like this for somebody because Sparkdoor freaking changed my life, right? They changed my life. They set me on a career trajectory I would have never imagined. Right. I owe so much to them and I'm so loyal now, right? Of course, I'm not going to cancel my subscription. Of course, I'm happy to promote them. Of course, I'm going right. to like love their That's tool so even more. Yeah. I love not just the tool, but the company. Right. And that means that we are embedded a lot. Right. And I promote them and I want to promote them and I'm happy to because yeah. they've done so much for me. Right. I, I, I would say, yeah, I am living proof in, in many, many ways of how powerful this could become. Yeah. You, yeah. You're now like a perfect definition of a super fan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is totally, totally the result of that. Yeah. Well, I love. Thank you for sharing sharing that. Mm -hmm. I think that's um, that's really the power of the. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that the companies can do in really like fueling the fan and like enabling them. I actually want to shift gears and talk about careers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Particularly for you, you you're the founder of. Uh, forgive me if I'm pronouncing them. Kalina Marketing. Did I get that? Yeah, Kalina, oh, but Kalina. it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a boutique yeah. marketing agency. You're, you've already yeah. mentioned you're a contributing writer for Search Engine Land. I'm mm -hmm. curious, uh, you might have already given a clue about it. What, what, what's a career power-up? Something that helped you accelerate your career and really helped you <laughs> go to the next level in your in your business or in your career? You know, it's this niche creator. His name's Rand Fishkin. I don't know. He <laughs> <laughs> really blew you up, you know, promoted your content. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, he's an, he's like probably the biggest example, but he's not the only one at this point. Like so much of my career power-ups has been kind of getting in with the right people and getting them to like me, right? And impressing them and kind of building relationships with them. In fact, we've been joking about it a lot after I was in New York just now, because at both conferences, I kind of just ended up going up to all the impressive, scary speakers, supposedly. And that's who I hung out with both events, like basically right. the whole time. Mm. And it's just a, a joke now with my husband, with my friends that like, I am the person that goes up to the people you're not supposed to talk to. And they're the ones that I befriend. Right. right. And yeah. it's not on purpose fully. Yeah. It's just I think some people are interesting and I like people's content. And I guess I have this fearlessness maybe mm. where I don't get intimidated, right, as That's much good. by how many followers they have, what status they have. I just go talk to them like people. Mm. Like and Rand was a very good training ground for that actually, because I remember um early on we were on a call and I asked him like, why are you talking to me, right? Like, I'm sure so many people like want to get on a call with you. Why are you on a call with me? Like, what is it? And he says, that not, that's not true. It's not that a lot of people want to talk to me. A lot of people want to talk to who they think I am. 
or they want to talk to whatever they think I can do for them. Very few people actually want to talk to me. And that kind of solidified my belief in treating people that way and just continuing to ignore their status or their follower count, right? Because so many of these people that can open doors for you, that can do a lot for you, they, they're they tired of being treated as disposable in a way, yeah. right? We talk a lot about people being treated as disposable when they're more junior, but there's a ton of profit seeking and a ton of like weird exploitation dynamics that happen with people higher up too, right? People see somebody who could do something for them and they get dollar signs in their eyes, right? And they never stop to consider them as a human with emotions, right? With a history, with things they like and don't like, somebody they can joke with, somebody they might have something in common with, right? I've had this conversation with people before where they're like, I'm never going to talk to anybody that has too big of a follower count, right? I'm like, why? And they're like, well, because we would have nothing to talk about. I'm like, how do you know that? Like, have mm. you ever tried to find something in common? There's just this weird belief that when somebody's too big, there's nothing you could possibly have in common with them. And it's not true yeah. at all. So, yeah, I guess that that's what it is for me. I love it. I love that fearlessness. Any tips yeah. for people who are like in that position? How do you, oh, how do you, how, how do you approach somebody famous, <laughs> followers in a conference? Do you just yeah. say hello? Like, what is, yeah. do you have a specific technique or tactic or just a, what is your approach? I guess would be a better question. Ignore how big you think they are is the approach. Like, honestly, yeah. it's nothing like, stop thinking about them as they will like they have this follower account there's this big person think about them as a person right like try to get to know them like the best thing you can really do is just talk to them like anybody else at a conference right like make small talk um maybe talk to them about something awkward that just happened try to just ask them about their day or how they're feeling or what interests yeah. them and the better part about people being bigger actually is you often have a body of content to go off of right of like mm. what they do so if you've seen their work, talk to them about their work, but not in the stuck up way of like, oh, wow, you're so impressive. No. Is there something that resonated? Is there something yeah. they've written about that you also think about? Is yeah. there something that, you know, relates to your work, right? Like so much of it is ignore the pedestal, like mm -hmm. throw the pedestal out of your brain, right? Don't have it there. Just talk to them. And like people that. resonate really well. Like I honestly, I've been doing it more and more and more, kind of getting more brazen with it and working pretty well because i treat people as people right so at this point i try very hard not to think about anybody's follower account whether they're smaller or bigger it doesn't matter do i like talking to them do i have something to talk to them about do we have something in common do is there something i'm curious to learn is yeah. there something i can help them with that's kind of it i like it yeah. yeah is there somebody on your list is there somebody not this who who do you want to talk to next i mean that's somebody that you look up to you've talked to Rand. Is there like, like some names or people? That, I have a list. Know? Okay. I have a list. I have my next, I have the next one I really, really, really want to talk to and I've been trying to and hasn't fully happened yet. Um, April Dunford. Mm. I'm like, I love her work. I admire her so much. Like I, I bought her book the second it came out and like finished reading it within a week, like the new book. Um, I'm like reading everything on Stuffstack that she ever publishes. I read all her LinkedIn posts. I've been trying to listen to every interview. And I've been commenting more and more and she like engages with it a bit, but I still haven't gotten the in to like actually have a conversation. But yeah, that, that's, that's the person I want to talk to now. But also, I guess actually, the way I answered that, I want to point 
attention to it, right? I didn't say, I think she could get me a business opportunity. Mm. I didn't say, this is her follower count. Yeah. I said, I love her work and I love the things she talks about and yeah. I find them useful and I think she's cool. I think that is the core of a lot of it, right? That's how I think about people. I yeah. think about what's cool about their work or them as people, what I admire, what I like, what I'm curious about, right? And when you treat people that way, they tend to like you more, right? Because you like them and you show them that you like them for them and for what they think about. You know Gia. Gia, you had yeah. dinner with her. They're best mm -hmm. friends. So, yeah. I mean, if you wanted to Ooh. get an introduction, I'm sure. That's, that's <laughs> the other thing, though. That's the thing about how I do these things, right? It right. becomes so personal because right. now the concern in my head, like if you're thinking with business brain, then of right. course I would ask Gia for an introduction, right? I'd be like, oh, Gia, could you please introduce me to April? I think this would be a great professional opportunity or I have a request for her, but that's not what I want. I don't mm. want April to give me a business deal. Like if she does at some point, great, but I want to just talk to April and have a cool conversation with her and maybe okay. for her to like me as a person. Yeah. And it's hard to prompt that, right? It's hard to yeah. force that to happen because if Gia introduces me, April's gonna want to know what I want. And it's very mm -hmm. weird to be like, she just wants to hang out. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, like so that. there's this serendipity to it. Yeah, I right. guess that's the flaw of my kind of tactic here. I have to lean so much on chemistry, serendipity, chance, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, clicking with people. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power-Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. Go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPIs consistently and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and please like and follow Marketing Powerups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you feel extra generous, kindly leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a comment on YouTube. Goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Powerups. Thanks to Mary Solden for creating the artwork and design. And thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a powered update. Marketing Power-Ups. Until the next episode. <laughs>